mindfulness mode. It's absolutely incredible how quickly we can shift from one state to the other when we release the addiction that we have to suffering. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, we are here today with a self-made entrepreneur. She's the CEO of a multi-million dollar company that deals with breath work and wellness, and it's called Pause Breathwork. She's a highly sought after international speaker. She's a best-selling author and a coaching expert. And she has such a heart-centered approach to life and business. And here's the thing. She's also a leading authority on trauma healing and stress release. Two things we talk a lot about on the show. She's also a podcaster. So I can't wait for you to meet Samantha Skelly. Samantha, are you in mindfulness mode today? Oh my God. I Always, Bruce. Always. <laughs> of course. And you're a fellow Canadian. You're from Vancouver. Yes. Yes. I love meeting fellow Canadians unexpectedly. This is such a treat. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to talk to you about mindfulness and how it connects with everything you're doing. But first, what does mindfulness mean to you, Samantha? Mm. A state of presence, a state of choosing to respond to my life versus react, a knowing that what arises emotionally in my body oftentimes has nothing to do with the situation that is in front of me, but more to do with historical trauma and past experiences. Mindful is a, a pacing to life, a knowing that everything is happening in perfect timing. It's not a hustle or a race, but it's an enjoyment and a savoring of every single moment. Mindfulness is about the breath, connecting mind and body, head and heart through the breath. And of course, that's my mission to bring breath work to the world. So that's what it means to me. Right. And you have a couple of missions, I think, which we'll hear about mm -hmm. as we move forward. But one of the things is that you wrote a phenomenal best-selling book called Hungry for Happiness. Can we start there? Can you, can you tell us how that happened, how you arrived at that place where you felt compelled to write a book about food and how, mm. you know, the mindfulness of eating and all of that? Mm. I went through what I called a diet depression where I was on over 50 diets in less than four years and really struggled with my relationship to food and body. And I didn't really know how to eat like a normal person, quote unquote, um, how to use food for just health and hunger. I used food as a drug. I overate, I restricted food. I just had a really dysfunctional relationship with it, but really I had a dysfunctional relationship with myself. It wasn't about the food, right? Right. And so after years of body image issues and disordered eating and over-exercising and body dysmorphia, I, I found breathwork and I realized that through the breath, we can begin to heal our bodies and come back into truth, come back into intuition. We can understand the difference between an emotional hunger cue and a physical hunger cue and really learn to love our bodies through the power of our breath. And so that's been my mission for the last, 13 years now. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. And you, you help so many people with this. Mm -hmm. I know you do. And with the coaching and everything. And can you tell us a little bit about someone that you've helped with this, that it's just made a monumental difference in their life and mm -hmm. a little bit about their story? 
Let me think of one person. Give me one second here. Mm, there's a woman by the name of Vanessa who I worked with when I was living in Vancouver and she came to many of the retreats that I did. And at that time I did breath, a lot of breath work in person with people. And I remember her just anxiety was her resting position, like anxiety and numbness, right? She would kind of toggle from one to the other. And then she did her first, first ever breathwork class with me in um, an area called Squamish in, in BC, we're close to where I'm from. And I just remember her lighting up, like she was vibrant, she was alive, she was connected. She was like, it was just one of the most exciting, beautiful things. Um, and I still get messages from her to this day, like, had I not done that breathwork class, had I not experienced that, I would still be living in a state of, you know, numbness and anxiety. So it's just so beautiful to be able to bring people back into their true nature using something that is so natural to us. You know, there's, there's, it costs no money. There's nothing we need to do. There's nowhere we need to go there. We don't need to consume anything in order to really shift these energies on a deep level. And we're just so lucky. We're so lucky we have this opportunity. Well, can you expand on that? Mm -hmm. How can it be so easy when so many of us have, well, you didn't say easy, I know that, mm -hmm. but so many of us have issues. So many of us eat emotionally for emotional reasons. And how do we put that behind us? Mm. It's understanding what we're actually hungry for, right? We're not never hungry for Cheetos and chocolate. We're hungry for connection. We're hungry for space. We're hungry for validation we're hungry for love we're hungry for worthiness we're hungry for acceptance we're hungry for all of those things and when we outsource those needs to external things it, we're just feeding something that's making us feel dead inside and so when we learn like what is our actual core emotional need and how can we fulfill that in a sustainable way then we begin then then the behaviors become irrelevant oftentimes with emotional eating and binge eating people are like how do i stop binge eating or how do i stop emotional eating that's not the question we need to ask the question is what is this covering up what is what is the the need that i think this is fulfilling and once we get with that then it opens up in such a beautiful way we can find sustainable healthy strategies in order to meet these needs your company pause mm -hmm. supports 10,000 clients in over 30 countries. How did you possibly grow it to that level? <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say to people, and, and it's a little bit of a joke, but um, I started when I was quite young and I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. So I was a little bit naive. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of... you still seem quite young. So I, yeah. I'm pretty amazed at how you've grown mm. this company mm. to this size. I mean, this is incredible. You know, I think when you have a passion to better the world and it's coming from a very heart-centered place, I think there's like this invisible magic that you're given, right? Like for yourself, you're doing something that's like really supporting people. And so you are going to be supported and you are going to be guided and you are going to know your next best move. And you know, things are just going to work out for you. I really believe like when our intentions are coming from love and when we have a, a mission that's bigger than ourselves, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it becomes a lot more effortless when we're, when we're doing something that is self-serving for the betterment of just ourselves. And we're not contributing to the world in some way. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I'm just saying that that's harder. And so I, I really believe pause breathwork came to me for me to be the one that brings it into the world. And we do that through our mobile app. 
Uh, we do that through our trained breathwork facilitators. We have nearly 700 breathwork facilitators all around the world. We have thousands of people on our breathwork app. And every day we are just slowly building this beautiful mission that serves the world in such an incredible way. And it's, it truly is a gift. Wow, it truly is a gift for the the many people who are able to take advantage of this. And I was looking at your websites. You have a couple of websites, samanthaskelly.com and you have pausebreathwork.com. And I noticed a lot of testimonials on there and most of the testimonials are women. Do you work mostly with women? Mostly, but I love working with men, <laughs> you know, like the more I'm actually going out to Salt Lake City in a few weeks to do a, a breathwork retreat for 50 men. And I'm so excited because it just when men can open up their hearts, they become so much more powerful when they lead with their hearts versus their egos. They become so much more powerful. And I've had a lot of male one to one clients. And, you know, I've, I've, there's, of course, a lot of men on our, on our app. Um, primarily my women, my community is women. Um, I think just because I'm a woman, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we absolutely love working with men as well. And I think men who become breathwork facilitators and guide other men through breathwork is really, really powerful. Well, I'm curious, what are some of the differences if you're uh, heading into a room full of women compared to heading into a room full of men to work with them? Do you do you approach it differently or do you approach it the same? Exact same. Mm. Yeah. Like when we strip it down, like past our identities and past our uh, genders and past everything, we all have this like soul within us. And that soul is seeking to expand and that soul wants love. And that, you know, it's like we we all have just like the same human needs. You know, we want love. We want connection. We want attunement. We want uh, we want to feel like belonging. And so, you know, when it comes to breath work, it is it is the nature of the work. It does not discriminate against anything. You know, it's it's so inclusive of, of everyone and everything. And I think that's why I love it so much, like whether you are, you know, in Del Mar in California, or you're in Ethiopia, you have access to this work. You know, you have access, you have a, you have lungs, you can breathe. Now right. we just need, you know, for other parts of the world, we just need the education in order to educate these people how to regulate their nervous systems through their breath. We're lucky enough in the West to have an abundance of information, so much information that we barely pay attention. Um, so that's what I do love about this work is it is accessible worldwide. You have the Sam Skelly show as a podcast. And I'm curious, what do you love most about having the Sam Skelly show? Because I get to talk to cool people like you all day. <laughs> it you is know? great, isn't it, to talk to people it, from all over the world? It really is. Podcasting is truly one of my, it's, it's, the, it's the love of my life, one of them. Um, I, just, I just got a harmonica. This is slowly going to become the love of my life next. But <laughs> um, I, love, I love podcasting. I love having amazing conversations. I love having a platform where thousands of people can tune in on a weekly basis and learn about themselves and grow. Like That feels very fun and exciting to me. Yeah. So when did you first realize that breath work was a place where you wanted to devote your life? I was in Bali and I was overcoming my eating disorder and I was at a breath work class and it was a three hour breath work class, which felt like 15 minutes because when you're in that space, sort of time collapses a little bit. And um, I remember arising from the experience and just being like, how does the world not know we can do this? Like, this is so amazing in this experience and it doesn't have to be three hours it can be gosh 
two minutes, we can have an experience, right? But the world doesn't know that we are, the world doesn't know that we are, um, sorry, he just opened the door. <laughs> the, world, okay. the world doesn't know that we are this powerful, right? The world doesn't know that through our breath, we have access to, to our greatness. And when we, when we use the breath, we just open up to something so much greater. Yeah, and really so did. it was in that moment, I'm like, gosh, I got to tell everyone about this. <laughs> <laughs> and you've never stopped telling everyone about this. Exactly, exactly. And I probably you, won't until I croak, you know. What are your thoughts on uh, Wim Hof breathing? Yeah, I mean, I love Wim Hof. I think he's... I think he's so intense and so extreme that he gets people's attention and brings people into the world of breathwork, which I think is just brilliant. Um, it's it, it, Wim Hof can be quite intense. And so for, for it's not super trauma informed in my experience of it, which is totally fine if you don't have tra a ton of trauma. <laughs> but um, we like to take a little bit of a gentler approach to, to breathwork. Um, but again, Wim Hof is like an incredible door into the whole world of breathwork and for some people that is their path and that is the one that they want to do and i fully support that he's he's super great yeah i agree i think he's awesome well i'm so curious you know it's one thing to have a passion about breathwork and have a passion about helping people with food and eating but how did you handle the business side of this how did you put this all together in a successful business that would generate revenue mm, you know bruce this is something i am constantly trying to find balance with and constantly trying to navigate. So I'm not, I'm not an expert, but I will share my experience. So I am the typical visionary creator innovator. I live in the clouds. I come from another planet. I show me a spreadsheet and I hate it. And so as a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, this is a, a challenge. I'll be honest. It's a challenge. I hate meetings. I hate things that don't excite me. I have a lot of ADHD. So like, this is, uh, this is just the reality of it. And so for me, what that's for, from, from my vision to actually have wings, what it took was for me to work with people who have the same vision, who have opposite skill sets to me. So I, I met this individual named Johan Stoop a couple of years ago when he was actually the CTO for, um, FedEx. And so completely different skill set to me and taking someone from corporate America and putting them into a startup is a risk in and of itself. But I really, really loved his skill set and I really loved him as a person. And so he joined the he joined Pause Breathwork and he is the integrator to my visionary. Now, that is amazing. And it requires me to fully let go of something that I've spent 13 years building, which feels vulnerable and it feels scary at times. And sometimes I wonder if. You know, I'm like, do you got this? Like it, like all of those fears come up, you know? And so mm -hmm. my work right now, and I'm, this question is very timely because it's something I'm feels very real for me right now. My work is staying in my own lane and really letting him take the baton and lead and make it happen. And knowing that he's super smart and I trust him and it, the business is going to grow, not by me being in it, but my, by me spreading the message and being being on podcasts and being in delivery and teaching people and being in the studio and creating new breathwork apps and creating events and you know creating fun marketing things and designing experiences for people to experience breathwork you know that's where i shine and so it's really about letting him be in his own genius and letting me be in mine 
Well, I can tell how passionate you are for all of this. Mm. I always ask a question about bullying, Samantha. Do you have a, a story you can share with us about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? So good. So when I was going from grade six to seven, I that summer I got really into like sports and playing outside and um, I was just very, very active that and, and I was growing, right? I was growing and I was very active. So grade six, I had a couple extra pounds on me. Grade seven, I was like so tiny, right? Because then I was a dancer and the rest of it. And so this girl at school, her name was Isabella. No, I figured out her name, name to this day. Um, she, she told the whole school that I went to fat camp and that's why I was skinny. And I was so upset. I was so pissed. And it just was like really, really, really awful. And because I was so young, I, I just tried to defend myself against her versus, you know, knowing in my truth that that's not true. And her projection on me is, has nothing to do with me. And, you know, I got, I was reactive to the situation and I got really emotional rather than being logical. And so, um, goodness gracious, Bruce, if I had mindfulness, then I would have saved myself a lot of like pain of, you know, of, of those words. And, and so now, I mean, being a, for lack of a better term, and I don't like this term, but being an influencer of some sort and having a social media presence and all of that kind of stuff, of course you're exposed to people who don't like you. And I remember during COVID, I, um, I, I put a meme up that I thought was really funny, but a lot of people thought that it wasn't. And I got bullied hard mm. on that. And comedy for me is, uh, comedy is very healing for me. I think comedy connects people. And so um, during a time where the world was a little bit dark, I was like, oh, let's bring light. And that wasn't received well by 5% of people, you know, 95% mm -hmm. of people were, were having fun with me, but, sure. you know, and, and so th those moments, it's just like, it was really hard to be mindful in those moments because there's nothing quite like being publicly attacked. Um, it was the first time that I experienced it and it was really, really, really hard on my nervous system. You know, it's like mm -hmm. never in the history of anything. Have you, have you had a hundred thousand people have an opinion on what you're doing? And if 5% of those hundred thousand people don't like what you're doing, that's a lot of people who it have sure an opinion is. on what you're doing. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, like that was really intense for me. But luckily I knew mindfulness then, but it was really hard to pull it out in the moment, you know? So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you got through it. I'm sure it was a teaching moment for you. I'm sure you learned as you move forward. Is that right? Oh, for sure. For sure. You know what it taught me actually, like in hindsight? So being the comedian, being funny, being witty, being joyful, like not taking things too seriously is my, that's just me. That's yeah. just me what that did is it shut down that part of me for many months where oh, i stopped wow. being the funny effervescent spark plug fairy dust type of uh person and i really miss that part of me and it's it's only actually recently come back this is probably like a year and a half ago and it's only really recently come back to the point where i'm like okay i feel like i can i'm back to being able to fully express on instagram without the fear of of being quote unquote canceled or whatever they're calling it this day 
these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad this has mm-hmm. come back. And I, I resonate with that because I've been through that myself. And, you mm-hmm. know, like working in the field of bullying prevention, you know, people are very, very edgy about every little comment, mm-hmm. you know, and people are quick to find fault no matter what. And so, yeah, I've had that happen and was just devastated because I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. It, it can be very devastating for sure yeah because there's you know our our inner children doesn't real can't discern what that is you know there's parts of us that are so tender and raw and vulnerable and so when those things are happening it just feels like uh nauseating it does yeah samantha are you a meditator so yes but i wouldn't necessarily identify as that because I can't really meditate unless I do breath work first. Okay. So, you know, I have ADHD, mm-hmm. which is great. I love it because I'm super creative and I have a million ideas every single day. But when I sit down to just meditate, when I go from like my, say, structured, ordinary mind into meditation, it takes a while for me to shift. So I'll do breath work for like five or 10 minutes before I meditate, and then I'll get into it. Um, I recently did the Joe Dispenza seven day advanced training where we meditate for like five hours a day. I mean, we meditate for like eight hours a day, but sometimes five hours at a time. It's crazy. It's so amazing. But yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. But it, it, it really helped me to be a better meditator. And I do love it. Like when I'm in it, I do love it. Wow. Yeah, I do too. And I find that in the long run, it's made a huge difference to the way I look at the world and the way I accomplish things and things like that. What kind of a difference has it made in your world? You know responding to life, not reacting, you know, going back to your question around mindfulness. It's like, I have a lot of fire in my system. I have a lot of passion in my system and I have a little bit of perfectionism in my system. So the combination of those three, I can, I can be without awareness and mindfulness. I can be reactive to my environment of like, want to fix things, want to change things, right? Very quick. Like my pacing's quite quick. Meditation has helped me realize that nothing actually matters. Yes. Nothing. I, I agree. Actually matters. You know, and we live in this fine we live in this world and it's for such a finite amount of time and then we pass on to another life. It's like when I'm on my deathbed, I think about my deathbed a lot and it sounds morbid, but it doesn't feel like it. It's just like how do I want to remember how I spent my life? Do I want to remember the times where I was reactive to my team because they screwed up a link on a landing page that cost me money? Or do I want to remember giving people grace and just saying, it's okay, we're good. Let's just create a system around it, you know? Or do I want to remember being behind my computer for 12 hours a day? Or do I want to remember hanging out in my hammock with a sparkling water, eating frozen grapes and going for a walk on the beach and taking time out of my day to just do the things that I want to do, you know? Like, I don't want to, re- I don't want to live a life of just work, work, work. And I do feel like there's a big difference between you know, men and women sometimes as well. Like there's a flow to the way that I, my, I naturally want to work that can be very different from say my partner who is totally fine sitting down at a desk from eight to six every single day and just doing his thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. 
Interesting. Samantha, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person who has been a really powerful mindfulness influence in your life? My grandpa, who recently passed away about three months ago, I would call him every single day. He was one of my greatest mentors and he just brought me back into the moment. And, you know, I got to really remember what's most important in life. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. Three months is not very long. Mm. So, yeah. My mom passed away about three months ago. So, mm. I, I resonate mm. with what you're saying. Um, yeah. I want to uh, ask you about emotions, and you've already talked about emotions quite a bit, but can you sum it up? How have your emotions been affected as a result of the mindfulness that you do? They're, they're not overpowering. I've, I've been able to observe them, not identify with them. When I identify with them, I feel like they overtake my whole experience. When I observe them, I realize that there's a witness observing my emotions. And because there's a witness observing them, I know that I am not them. So then I can shift and change them. And the next question I always ask, I'm kind of laughing because it's about breath work and that's what you're all about. And you've talked about it quite a bit. But again, can you kind of sum it up for Mm -hmm. our listeners? Breathwork is the ability of using your breath to release the addiction to the cognitive mind, the monkey mind, the reptilian brain, so that we can drop deeper into our bodies and actually use the energy of our heart to navigate the world rather than the ego and the survival brain. Right. I love the subtitle of your book. Your book is Hungry for Happiness, and the subtitle is Stop Emotional Eating and Start loving yourself. Mm. And I want to recommend you, Mindful Tribe, to pick up that book. But are there any other books that you would recommend, Samantha, that is on this topic of mindfulness? Mm. I love A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Of course, that's a classic. The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer is an incredible one. You Are What You Think by Wayne Dyer. That's also a great one. You're naming all my favorite mindfulness books. Am I? That's awesome. (laughs) Us Canadians have great taste, eh, Bruce? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, and the next question, I'm laughing about this one too, because it's about an app. (laughs) So here's your chance to tell us about an app which can help. I love it. Uh, Pause Breathwork is my app and there are hundreds of breathwork tracks ranging from three minutes to 45 minutes and depending on the time that you have and what you want to accomplish, whether you want to clear your mind and open your heart or discover your intuition, there is a variety of different experiences that you can choose on there. So there's a free two-week trial and um, yeah, definitely check it out. Awesome. Well, that's great. You know, it's been so much fun talking to you. And I just want to ask you this. If there was someone listening right now who's feeling frustrated, who's feeling stuck, feeling as though they're just not winning in the world, what would your words of advice be to that individual? It's absolutely incredible how quickly we can shift from one state to the other when we release the addiction that we have to suffering. And 
uh, for many years, I felt stuck. For many years, I felt not good enough. For many years, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then I decided to make a conscious choice and decision to direct my mind into what I desired versus what I didn't want. And that began the unearthing of all of this stuckness into liberation. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for doing all the work that you're doing to help people on this planet. Mm -hmm. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today, Samantha. Oh, this has been such a treat. It was great to meet you, Bruce. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening to the show again. And as always, I invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen on. And uh, with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.